0: I was given something wonderful, something that changed me forever. A vision of the universe that tells us undeniably how tiny and insignificant and how rare and precious we all are. A vision that tells us that we belong to something that is greater than ourselves, that we are not, that none of us are alone.
1: Okay, I've never done an introduction to the podcast before, so this is really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Season 4 bonus episode of Condensed Truth. We're going to talk about contact. I'm your host, Laura. And I'm Shelby. And yeah, as I just said, we're going to talk about contact. But before we get into contact, Shelby's going to summarize Season 4 for us.
0: Yes. We we watched a lot of episodes. We did. So like there weren't there aren't really like that many that I have left to talk about that mm-hmm. are like noteworthy. Because if we didn't watch them, there were like odds are they were stinkers. But I will give a shout out to Unruhe, which I like. It's very dated, so it has like a very 90s, like, wow, y'all are really approaching this topic in not a great way. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's written by Vance and I do really like it Temp- we skipped Tempest Fugit and Max which is a two-parter mm-hmm. because we didn't watch Fallen Angel where Max Finnig is introduced so we didn't watch the conclusion of Ma- Max Finnig <laughs> but those are good episodes I like them There's that's the one that's my all-time favorite maybe not all-time favorite but like top five MSR moment of them um, at that restaurant bar where <laughs> Mulder gets the workers to like bring her a cake for her birthday. Oh
1: yeah. And it's like not her actual birthday or is it her no, birthday? It her- oh, it, it is. It okay. is her
0: birthday. But she says like in the four years I've known you, you've never remembered my birthday Mulder. And he says, that's how I like to do it every four years, like dog years. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so cute. Cause it's like, she just got cancer. And so he is like being attentive and like mm-hmm. celebrating her life and her birthday. And it's a very cute scene. That's, that is cute. that's It like has a lot of really fun moments. So I do like that episode, too. Other than that, we did talk about all the other noteworthy episodes, I would say. Awesome. Also, we did have a question from our friend Megan. Thank you for sending in a question, Megan. And she asked... Uh if our next podcast would be about the Americans, since we talk about it a lot, <laughs> and I would say that like it's that's one of I would say like three or four shows that I feel qualified to talk about ad nausea, yeah, but if I'm gonna be real i I don't know if I'm gonna do another podcast after this. I don't know, <laughs> right, maybe we'll see,
1: yeah, there is already an Americans podcast that exists. Yeah.
0: Yeah, our friend Tori does one. Yeah, or, or did one. Yeah, so I've I've been on that once. So yeah, it was great. If they start it up again, I'll go back on it for sure. Absolutely. But yeah, this is like a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it really <laughs> like, is. Like very obviously, and like not wanting to do weekly is like just makes it take twice as long to right. do. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe if I was like, just I just showed up with like a little bit of research, I'd do. <laughs> 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 I'd be down for that. Right. We also got a question about contact. Do we want to talk about that now, or yeah, we
1: can we can use it to segue into talking about contact.
0: Okay, perfect. Our friend Nick wrote in, and he says, "What is more alien to you, the space fairy shapeshifter?" Or the chemistry between Matthew McConaughey and Jodie Foster.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to jump in here and say it's absolutely the chemistry between Matthew McConaughey and Jodie Foster. Because it is, like, non-existent. Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's like, I felt that and I was, like, very curious how much of that is, like, me knowing she's a lesbian. And how much of that is, like, contextual in the movie. But I think
1: it's both. It's definitely both. Like, I don't think you can read the character of Ellie Arroway as like anything other than gay like so if they had made Matthew you know if they had made Palmer a girl that would have been like perfect it totally would have fit but yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's definitely awkward. also
0: my notes I, I never picked up his name so he's just referenced this Matt in like my notes
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah technically his character's name is Palmer which is I don't know like a good old central Texas boy name I guess I have no clue <laughs> Where they came up yeah. with that, but his accent is pretty, not bad, because it is how he actually talks, but it just really sticks out, I think.
0: Yeah, he, like, refuses to do, like, a not his voice, yeah, which I totally respect. Like, I would do that, too. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do other
1: accents. Right. I mean, yeah, his voice doesn't really fit any other accents.
0: Also, sp- Speaking of bad accents, Rob Lowe's is atrocious.
1: Yeah, Rob Rob Lowe has a small role in this movie and has this like really bad Southern accent that he just doesn't even try at. It's it's pretty bad.
0: It's like you can make conservatives not from the South. It's perfectly fine. They exist outside the South. I don't understand why this has to be a bit every time. Every time. Especially when you already have Matthew McConaughey. Right. Like, just, just make him one of those like stuffy, annoying like
1: Harvard professors. Right. Contact was released on July eleventh, nineteen ninety seven. It is based off of the book Contact by Carl Sagan, and the movie is story by Carl Sagan and Andrew Ian, who is his wife. And it's directed by Robert Zemeckis. I really love this movie. This is like one of my. All time favorite movies of all time, but also one of my all time favorite movies that I've watched since I was a kid. I probably first watched this movie in the late 90s. I definitely grew up watching the TV edited version for language. So there's like very (laughs) minimal language, but like there is one time that like the word, I think, I think the word bitch is like bleeped out. And so every time I hear it like in the normal version, it just kind of throws me off. It's really funny, but. Let me pull up the Wikipedia summary because I'm not good at summarizing things. Dr. Ellie Arroway, who is played by Jodie Foster, works for the SETI program, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, at the Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico. Guided into science and communication, starting with amateur radio by her late father, she listens to radio missions from space, hoping to detect evidence of intelligent alien life. And it kind of just goes from there.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. While we were watching this, I kept alternating between calling her Scully Coated and Mulder Coated. Because she
1: is (laughs) Scully and Mulder Coated. Like, she's a very great character. She's like very enthusiastic about science. She does not back down whenever she is kind of faced with the misogyny of science and especially Mm -hmm. like academia and also with the problems of trying to get funding for a project that is basically aliens.
0: It's it's fringe. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah it is. It's yeah, it's it's definitely on the fringe. So she's got the like spunky tiny little science woman vibes of Scully and also the like passion and sort of fringe alien beliefs of Mulder. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. We also have the connecting thread of Jodie
0: Foster's portrayal of Cle- Clarice Starling mm-hmm. in Hannibal, or no Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. inspiring Chris Carter to write Scully, mm-hmm. and also Jodie Foster being in the voice and of the tattoo and never again. Right? Yeah. So there's some <laughs> fun
1: little little tie-ins there um, with the X Files, but yeah, Contact is kind of a a big pondering of what does it mean to exist and what does it mean to make contact not only with like each other as humans on the earth but with the outer universe. Um so yeah, some real heady shit which I love. Mhm. Yeah, shall we I guess maybe kind of go into what is your experience with this movie?
0: Yeah, I uh we Discussed this before in the podcast in that I watched it at church. Um that tracks. At, like church youth group.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Churches love this movie and it's kind of really funny. I'll get into it, but
0: <laughs> uh yeah, I was raised Methodist, so it was it was very much they they did like that kind of big heady topics, I would say. Mm-hmm. More than just like a more straightforward reading of the Bible. Right like this the different Christian sects are such a trip, you know, like <laughs> like they're just so varied in their their whole vibe. But right. so it was like chill. I, I remember really liking the movie and like, it's funny because of the parts I remember the most, mm-hmm. I forgot Matthew McConaughey was in it. Right. And I remember the, the Hitler scene because mm-hmm. it's very shocking. Right. And then I remember her dad in The Missing Time. That's right. Pretty much the only thing I remembered about this movie before okay. go, like <laughs> going into it. <laughs> going into it again. Yeah. Nice. Nice. But I liked it. It was um it's really fun. I was worried because it's like an hour and a half. Or no, it's two and a half hours. Yeah, it's pretty long. So I was like, this is a long movie, but like it goes really quick. Like it it's the pacing is pretty good, I would say. I
1: think it's paced very well. It's like a really like heady topic but i think the way it intersperses kind of like her past childhood trauma with like her current situation and kind of just like everything that's going on is is paced really really well because there is like there is a time skip but you almost don't really perceive it it takes them about 4 years to get the funding for um the the very large array the VLA aspect of everything for it after like losing funding at, for the Arecibo project which is also mm-hmm. ironic because Air, Air, the Arecibo telescope is a much more sensitive device than all of the telescopes combined at the VLA, but anyway.
0: <laughs> also, Arecibo was in Little Green Men, too. It was, so. yeah.
1: The Puerto Rico vibes going <laughs> mm-hmm. on.
0: She even learned Spanish. Good
1: for her. Yeah. Seriously, though. like, it, yeah, yeah. Good for her. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there's not going to be a lot of structure to us talking about contact because I... um didn't really think about it that much but that's okay it's hard hosting it is really hard <laughs> hosting this is shelby being like see see what i do and good luck i, I just gotta say it was,
0: it was so nice I, I i got my sunday back right i didn't have to i didn't have to rewatch the episode i didn't have to read a bunch of about a little barbs about it i didn't have to write a plot summary. So not to do anything yeah I just woke up, made myself breakfast, went to Michael's. That's it.
1: <laughs> Beautiful, lovely. Let's talk about, I guess, the opening. So this movie opens really loud and interesting. It opens kind of with a lot of random radio music. You you recognize it as radio music, and um, it kind of zooms out, like from the earth. Out into outer space, and the radio waves and the music and all the talking and stuff slowly get quieter and quieter and quieter until you don't hear it at all. I also will say, yeah, I did think there was something
0: wrong with the, my file. Absolutely, like, is it supposed to do that? like yes. what happened here?
1: <laughs> yes, um, it is supposed to be, yeah, kind of drawing at the beginning. I love this opening. I was a big astronomy nerd growing up. I didn't pursue it as a career because it was too much math and the math was really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, I, I, I don't hate myself that much. And there were other things that I liked <laughs> too, but I really love this opening because it's like a description. We we think of radio only as sound, right? But it's not only is it it's sound, but it's also time and distance, and so with this opening, you're, we're literally getting sort of a feeling of, of distance with sound. And sound is mm-hmm. such an important part of this movie. And it's like the distances at which we don't actually exist anymore. If you think about it, if you think about kind of our current existence, we only, I mean, we exist in our existence but you know when we observe the universe we observing light from the universe is observing light that was actually being emitted billions of years ago right so there's a part of the universe mm-hmm. where we don't exist anymore where there is no evidence of human noise or life or our galaxy doesn't exist yet and i think that that's really fun to think about this is what i think about when i watch contact um <laughs> Yeah, this movie made a very big impression on me growing up, but...
0: Mm-hmm. And even that m- mimicking Ellie as like right. a amateur ham operator. Right. <laughs> just trying to reach out to anybody. Right. Seeing how far she can reach out to and getting to Pen- Pensacola, Florida. Right.
1: So, yeah, this very famous opening scene of her on this ham radio as a child, which is... She's played by a very young Jenna Maloney, who's great in this movie as young Ellie. Um Yeah, and she gets to Pensacola, and it's really far from. I think they're in like Ohio or Indiana or something.
0: Yeah, I thought it looked like Illinois, so I wasn't sure.
1: Somewhere around there, somewhere up there, somewhere Somewhere in the Midwest, far away. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, she's just listening and reaching out, kind of exploring this young like hobby she has. Oh, I will say real quick,
0: uh, I do love her dad's line of, uh, if it's just us, seems like an awful waste of space.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, That's a really fun line. That is like kind of the thesis statement of the movie. If there's all this space, if the universe is, you know, infinitely large and expanding, like, isn't it just kind of a waste of space if it's just us? I mean, mm-hmm. it's very Carl Sagan. That's a very Carl Sagan thesis thesis statement. I love him, <laughs> yes. and I agree. I mean, I think it's true. Like, I think the just when you think about probability wise of the existence of other intelligent life in the universe, it's like, of course, versus the probability of it only being humans in the Milky Way on Earth. Like, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> we are not that important. <laughs>
0: exactly. You know, it's one thing I um that kind of struck me when we were when I was watching this is uh, so like when I was a kid, my my sister and I had like walkie talkies mm-hmm. and so we like to like talk to our neighbor, the neighborhood kids, right? right. Be a walkie talkie and just like, you know, just turning the channel and seeing if somebody's on that channel and just you know how fo- like who can I talk to and it's interesting because I'm thinking about it now and I'm like. that seems like a world away because it's just Mm -hmm. like you could just go online and immediately find someone to talk to. Right. Like, there's this... We're, like, so connected it's kind of circling back to alienating it a little. Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) And so, like, her reaching out in a way that, like, she wouldn't really have to do now. Right. (laughs) It's really interesting.
1: Yeah, we have, you know, the internet now because the young Ellie scenes are happening roughly around the time when she's nine. So think like in the early 70s so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it is it is fascinating that like i mean that is a thing people still do try to do that but it's not as accessible as just like the internet where literally you can talk to anyone else all over the world at any time of day Mm -hmm. so anyway we skip to adult ellie who is jodie foster giving a shout out to her hair in this entire movie. Her hair is like so fantastic. She has this beautiful <laughs> long blonde hair in it and it's like wavy and it's just like a really nice, it's always done really nicely. It's like a really nice feminine aspect to her character because I think her character is so what we want, what we would consider traditionally masculine and like Skull is very similar in this way too, right? Her mm-hmm. character is so traditionally masculine that it's kind of nice to have her hair be this really like feminine aspect to herself yeah because she is a woman yeah. and she's treated like one and it's not great
0: she's described as uh brilliant driven pain in the ass and she's in a niche field and i'm like that's Mulder coded. oh yeah
1: absolutely <laughs> but i love it more when it's a girl <laughs> when it's Mulder, i'm yeah. just like uh it's another what is he like an oxford or a cambridge dude asshole or whatever but like when it's Ellie Arroway, Oxford, yeah, yeah. When it's Ellie <laughs> Arroway, I'm like, oh well, I love her. I want to be her. Where she go to school? Do you, do you remember? I don't think they ever say.
0: Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought it was like a Ivy.
1: Probably, I mean, it probably was an Ivy. <laughs> probably, but she is also an orphan. And mm-hmm. yeah, spoiler alert: her dad dies. She becomes an orphan. Um, that's kind of like her big trauma, which is totally fair.
0: Yeah, that's the moment when she says that she she should have kept the medicine downstairs. Yeah. say that's scully coded. Yeah. Blaming herself.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Blaming herself and her and work kind of being her um comfort thing <laughs> when she's mm-hmm. upset. Like, she just wants to work. I was like, "Wow, that's scully." <laughs> work is yeah, her comfort. So it just, it,
0: she's she's still kind of reach she's reaching out and mm-hmm. like I I mean, I don't think she's like literally looking for her dad because like Right, he is dead and so i don't think it is this sort of like i'm seeking heaven kind of thing right but she is still like reaching out but to aliens this time
1: making some sense of like her life right exactly it's like matthew McConaughey's character palmer he is like um a religious person and like has a masters of divinity and is kind of like not to be the antithesis to Ellie necessarily, but kind of to be the philosophical antithesis to her. He, mm-hmm. he's there to bring to be a voice, kind of for the religious in this movie. And I think that this movie is very spiritual, but I don't think it's religious. But because it is so spiritual, I think that a lot of religious people and like churches and stuff like latched onto this movie and being like, "Oh, it's about God and whatever," because. And in, in the end, Ellie kind of has to admit that like she doesn't have proof t- for what happened to her, but she knows that it did. like she like her experience, which is kind of like all of whenever you kind of argue, like, does God exist? people are like, "Well, you don't have proof, but I feel it, and you can't argue my feelings, which is fair. But I have this quote from Carl Sagan, um kind of about spirituality. Spirit comes from the Latin word to breathe. What we breathe is air, which is certainly matter, however thin. Despite the usage to the contrary, there's no necessary implication in the word spiritual that we are talking of anything other than matter, including the matter of which our brain is made, or anything outside of the realm of science. On occasion, I will feel free to use the word. Science is not only compatible with spirituality, it is a profound form of spirituality, or a profound source of spirituality. When we recognize our place in the immensity of light years and in the passage of ages, when we grasp the intricacy, beauty, and subtlety of life, then that soaring feeling, that sense of elation and humility combined, is surely spiritual. And I think ultimately that is kind of the point of this movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so like the fact that you first experienced it in church like, doesn't shock me at all. Because it is <laughs> yeah. spiritual. In in that exact way that Carl Sagan just described in that quote, as in science can be very spiritual, but we don't tend to think of it that way. But it is. It mm. was for me, at least. It's kind of the whole reason why I'm a scientist is that, like, I believe in science <laughs> in that way. Yeah, they're
0: they're both both seek to have some understanding. Right. And and, and science, it's sort of a, a like a rigid. Uh, meth- mm-hmm. m- methodical approach to like a-, a question, right? You know, you have your null hypothesis. Mm-hmm. You have to t- you have to test it. You have to prove it. And mm-hmm. if you can't prove it, it it remains just a theory. Right. Like like evolution is a theory, even though we have like plenty of evidence to support it. It's <laughs>
1: gravity like- is a theory. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's sort of like well, I mean, we got as much as we can, right? Like that. Theory in the scientific realm right. means something different than like I don't know. I have a theory investigating this case. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but then, like religion, it's it's seeking to understand, like it's it's asking, like, what is our purpose here? Like, mm-hmm. what are we meant to do? What do we owe each other? Like, right, this kind of stuff. And and science doesn't really ans- ask those questions necessarily. Mm-hmm.
1: I think it can though.
0: It could if they if they weren't cowards, right. <laughs>
1: Exactly. I, I agree with you. I think a lot of sort of the way we approach science professionally and academically, it says that we're not supposed to ask those questions. But mm-hmm. one thing that I think that Carl Sagan says that is okay, and that this movie says that it, that is okay, that it is okay to ask those questions of science. Will science have the answers? Probably not. But neither does religion. And I think that that is kind of part of it. Like it's not, neither one are really exact or going to really be wholly fulfilling. Like you're never going to be fully satisfied. I think with either there's limitations to them and that's okay. Yeah. So James Woods (laughs) content warning, James Woods is in this movie and he's fucking (laughs) awful, but he plays an NSA agent who I fully believe is just James Woods being himself. And he's just an (laughs) awful asshole. She tells him off, but, like, yeah, there's this whole tension between science and technology. And, like, they can work together, but it's also they can be warped by each other at the same time. And the whole Mm -hmm. character of Haddon, who is played by John Hurt, who is basically Jeffrey Bezos, he has, like, insane amounts of money. Yeah. And it's, like, the ways in which science and technology can that That amount of like deep money is like seductive, right? because like it will fund your dreams like literally, but also mm-hmm. at the same time, she is she's they're they're the ones in control, right like mm-hmm. haddon funds her her project, but at the end of the yeah. day, he not only withholds information from her, but he also like. Hacks into her system. Hacks into her system, completely invades her privacy in a way that is just, like, extremely disturbing. Like, there's no way do you think this guy is a good dude. He's very creepy. And it Mm -hmm. feels dangerous at the same time. Like, this is a gamble. And I like that it's not just, like, oh, big rich guy has a ton of money and wants to, like, quote-unquote better humanity at Elon Musk, right? Like... But is really kind of evil. It's like no, he's just kind of evil, and he definitely has an ulterior motive. But like at the same time, you can't say no to his money. Yeah,
0: like it, the setup of the movie is like he's dying of cancer, right? So, and also he's like flying around the world. He doesn't like <laughs> live anywhere. He just lives at a place. His
1: carbon footprint is insane. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: and when she when she finally meets him, she's like she kind of like asks him his motive, and he kind of. She kind of figures it out. Of like, I'm dying, and I don't know what my mark is on the world. Like, right. I don't know if it's good. <laughs> it's <laughs> not. Not, <laughs> not in a, like, and and he he's not asking that in like a like a self conscious way. Yeah. Like um like a regret way. He mm-hmm. just meant like, no. How are people going to remember me? I need right. to secure my legacy.
1: Exactly. And yeah, it's just sometimes like a lot of our science and our technology kind of relies on that deep dark money that's not great but Mm. yeah anyway she's listening to there's this great shot of her shelby posted it on twitter so y'all should go see it of her listening to the to the radio telescope static and like you see the discs of the radio telescopes at the vla and you see her wide brimmed hat and they're at the same angle and it's like (laughs) such a great shot um, this is a really
0: well shot movie. I really there were like a lot of editing, yes, um, and directorial stuff that I like loved, like especially the editing. I thought the editing was really good. The
1: editing's fantastic. I will give a shout out to. Um, so her father dies of a heart attack, and when he has a heart attack, they kept the, his heart medicine in the upstairs bathroom cabinet. Hence Shelby's comment previously, where she says she wished she kept some in the downstairs bathroom, but she's running up the stairs. And it's this beautiful shot, like kind of slow mode shot of her running up the stairs and she goes to the bathroom cabinet and it's a mirrored, mirrored cabinet door and opens it and it is just like one of the best shots in film ever. Like to get a shot that technically good and it's a difficult shot to do because you have a mirror, right? So good. So fantastic. But yeah, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of beautiful shots in this movie. It's also shot in a lot of beautiful places like New Mexico and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they get contact. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Name drop. (laughs) Title drop. (laughs) They receive um, a code in the radio waves Mm -hmm. that is happening in intervals of prime numbers.
0: (laughs) Is this a scene where it's like cutting between... Ellie and uh, Matthew McConaughey's character um, back and forth. Mm -hmm. Because I love that. I love that scene where it kind of like she's chasing the signal and he's like talking to the president or someone. I don't know.
1: (laughs) It's yeah. So it's cutting back and forth between um, two of the researchers In the VLA and her, she kind of brought her laptop out to this like Canyon area and was like listening Mm -hmm. to the static because work is her comfort activity and she's upset because they just learned that they're going to lose all their funding because the Mm -hmm. government isn't going to extend their contract to use the VLA. Again, being screwed over by the government. So she's upset and it, and then whenever she first hears the pattern and on the tv is palmer's character he's kind of like this is during the clinton administration he's like the spiritual advisor to the president which is like hilarious i love how they called them they call them god's diplomat i know (laughs) so funny like thinking of matthew mcconaughey being a spiritual advisor to anyone but let alone bill clinton um hilarious and so it's kind of cutting back and forth between her frantically driving and just constantly yelling instructions over uh a radio to the other two people who at first don't really listen to her but mm-hmm. then like just because they're like are paying attention to the newscast and then are like oh shit ellie's telling us to do something we need to do it she's mm-hmm. the lead on the project and it's a great scene it's cutting back and forth between them she literally I'm just, like, amazed at her stamina. Like, this is a great editing scene as well because she just never stops either running or yelling instructions for, like, a (laughs) minute. She's, like, speeding. (laughs) It's amazing. And she, like, gets to the building and she's, like, running up the stairs and opening the doors and still yelling instructions at them. It's so good. It's so good. I think it's, like, my favorite part of the movie. It is the tension and the urgency you get in that scene. Perfect. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like you're running. You're like, wow, I'm out of breath now. <laughs>
0: yeah. We watched this together. Uh, we streamed in our Discord. Yeah. So our friend Kevin was on for half of it. And I think I texted y'all uh, Bill Clinton jump scare when he
1: showed up. <laughs> <laughs> You did. I was like, oh, yeah, I need to pull up that thread because I had some great comments. Yeah. <laughs> I also love the little subtle ways you see the passage of time in this movie. Like at the beginning of this running scene, there's, what did I call them? Um, Preppy Guy and Sloppy Guy are the two other researchers, yeah. and I ship them. But Sloppy Guy is, like, carving a pumpkin the the scene, <laughs> so we know it's somewhere around October. hmm
0: There's even that scene where, when they're, like, I, I think I got this when I was, I kind of spaced a little when I was watching it, but they lose contact with Vega.
1: Does that mean, like, it just became out of view? hmm So, because the sun was setting, right? So that's why it it, like Vega was setting, so that's why they contact the Australian Observatory. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's a very like science is global moment, (laughs) exactly.
1: It but it is though, like you can't, like, and they make this point in the movie, like they can't monitor the signal without a full international cooperation because. like the world is spinning, <laughs> like like yeah, we're not always yeah. in and, an area where they can listen to it, mm-hmm. and
0: the signal getting detected kind of mm-hmm. sets the storm of like the NSA guy right. showing up, the government and trying to like get, the- and she like kicks the soldiers out. It was like that's so Ugh. badass.
1: It was like such the she's like the get the guys with guns out of here, basically to the NSA agent. Like I'll talk to you like after they leave, and uh so so badass like. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the U.S. government comes in because they own the VLA, but also because they like we don't know what this is, but we want it because we want to potentially militarize everything. Right? Good old, Mm -hmm. good old imperialism.
0: The immediate assumption that it's hostile, yeah, because that's the only language they speak in,
1: right? (laughs) Whereas it's a it's a code in math because that's the only. like yeah that's the only uh universal language there is is prime numbers i love that Mm -hmm. math nerds will love this movie because it speaks to the importance of prime numbers in math (laughs) and multiple dimensions and our
0: favorite character kent comes back his name's kent right kent
1: yeah kent is i love kent um kent is also a researcher on this project with ellie and he um is visually impaired or blind? It's never really fully stated. Like, oh, Kent is blind, but it's obvious he he has a um the aid of a cane with him, and also like he spends all day listening to static. So there's a bit of a heightened um listening ability there. Mm-hmm. Kent and Ellie are are BFFs. They're the best. If you were gonna have Ellie be straight, it makes the most sense for Kent because he understands. Her work the most, and her work is her life. But in my head, they're also just like gay lesbian, like bestie solidarity. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. they're so good. Kent is great. Yeah, yeah. Kent lets Ellie be Ellie and never judges her for it. And mm-hmm. and it's great. But he realizes it's
0: video. Mm-hmm. It's audio and video.
1: Yeah. There's something else. They start getting a sort of a harmonic going on in the um broadcast and kent realizes that oh that extra data might be video so they hook up a tv to it and what else do we get but the first broadcasted television event which is the opening shot into space
0: shot into space
1: yeah shot into space which is the opening of the olympics in nazi germany
0: yeah yeah this is a scene i remembered Mm-hmm. And Kevin made a great joke where he said, uh, like, as James Woods is, like, looking at the TV, he's
1: like, James Woods is study <laughs> We hate Nazis. So then everyone kind of gets a little skeeved out because it's Hitler, you know, but I think it's effective. Like, kind of like, it's interesting that they're sending that back to us because, like, like, yeah. Like that's not the aliens being Nazis, y'all. That's us being Nazis. Um, yeah, yeah. So they're kind of like, people are kind of freaking out. Like, oh, are the aliens Nazis? And it's like, no, that's the it's people. Like, first of
0: all, like, how would the aliens know that much about our history? Right. <laughs> they just like got this signal and they're like, oh, okay, well, this should have back.
1: <laughs> but, then they also find hidden and inlaid with the video in what looked like static, is. Encrypted data. So mm-hmm. that's fun. So then they have all of these sheets of data, but they can't figure out the primer, which is the key to de-encrypting it, until we meet the good old deep money billionaire Haddon, who creepily breaks into her apartment and sets up a secure chat line where the chat is happening in different windows.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. The the UI for this this DM like instant messenger thing
1: was incredible it's awful it reminds me of there's that kelly Rowland music video where she's texting but it's in an excel spreadsheet (laughs) yes
0: yep yep
1: (laughs) very good vibes very 90s i will say one yeah
0: one little little bit i really i thought was a nice touch is as soon as news gets out about this like a bunch of like People of various stripes like are hanging oh, yeah. out outside the r- very large array. So you have like very religious nuts like preaching, and then like you have hippies right. and just like weirdos. It is very fun. It is
1: very fun because it's a fun. It is an interesting mix of like sort of like fun hippie weirdos who are like welcome aliens, and then like spiritual religious who are like welcome aliens in a spiritual way, and then other spiritual religious who are like we're all going to hell. And there is a character, yeah, who stands out. And I actually kind of think that this is really interesting, the way that this sort of... I don't think he ever has a name, but this, like, one person stands out to Ellie, and he has, like, bright sort of platinum blonde hair and this very... Like, almost white. Yeah, almost white, and this very intense look on his face. And it just... Mm -hmm. it I love this scene because... I feel like as a marginalized person, whenever you're, which as a woman, like in that category, Ellie would be, even though she's white and American. Um, there's some people that whenever you kind of come across someone who is like genuinely hateful, you notice, right? Like there's some people that kind of stand out from just kind of the regular run of the mill vitriol. Um, mm-hmm. And that's kind of this person. It feels like his look feels very, it's it's good acting on both of their parts and it's good editing too because you really get a really unsettled feeling from every time you see this character on screen. Like, mm-hmm. it's always intense. There's a great Jay Leno cameo where they're kind of doing <laughs> all the news <laughs> coverage of everyone mm-hmm. freaking out about the message from aliens. Again, very 90s. Um, there's one statement, it's on, it's on some sort of, like, news panel, where someone says, even a scientist has to admit that there's something spiritual about this, and I was like, yeah, that's just kind of this movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Other than Nick's question, we have not even addressed the fact that, like, Matthew McConaughey and, uh, Ellie, oh, like, hooked up. Oh, <laughs> in, yeah. I forgot that Puerto they- In Puerto Rico.
1: They hooked up like, okay, in Puerto Rico for one night and she was like "Mm, i gotta go to work with you (laughs) he's like when can i see you again and she's like "Mm, never this was a hookup and he's like she's trying to be gentle about it right and she's like just leave me your number and i'll call you back i have to go to work or whatever and so he does and then she leaves it in puerto rico
0: (laughs) (laughs) he like literally became obsessed with (laughs) her
1: just I'm I'm just gonna say that that's such lesbian behavior. Like just make his character a girl. Like you you sleep with you sleep with her once and then you like are ready to like wife her up. Like, yeah, that's just make his character a girl. But yeah, technically <laughs> they did sleep together slash have a thing, but it's very as Nick says, It's not it's not good. It doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> like it does in this in the sense of the movie is trying to do something, right? About like, you know, she's trying to reach out and contact aliens, and mm-hmm. like he's there, like, wanting to contact her and like uh, mm-hmm. connect with her in an emotional way. And right, she's not really seeking that, she's really just looking out to
1: space. She's trying to find aliens. Um, <laughs> she's got more important things than Matthew McConaughey. There's a great scene in the VLA where there's a sticker on a on a wall, and it says "Astronomy is looking up <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's such scientist like jokes, yeah, they love those kind of jokes, yeah,
1: it's that, like i'm I'm looking elsewhere because I don't like looking down here <laughs> mhm she meets haddon haddon basically tells her it's a three d message, so the the primers in three d so he's like, I, he's like, I already cracked the code because obviously he has all of their information because he hacked into their, their database mm-hmm. because he's funding their project. So of course, um, none of this is surprising in like, a post Snowden sort of NSA world <laughs> to any of us. This movie is also right. very, um, pre 9-11, but post Oklahoma city bombing vibes to mm-hmm. it. Like just with. The way it talks about like national security and the military and stuff, it's like not quite to a post nine eleven national security level, but you can definitely see how like we're getting there. Yeah. Anyway, there's all of these like all the big Hubble hella baloo. There's the other oh I forget his name. There's the other main male scientist who basically took away all of her- the funding for her. Drummond. Pro- yeah. Drummond. Not Drummond. Drummond. It's pretty close to Drummond though. Okay. I think it's Drummond. He took away all... I think it's spelt weird. Yeah, I think it's, like, with M-I-N, instead of, like, a Drummond, it's, like, a Drummond or something. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Drummond, he basically took away all of their funding at Arecibo and is a very sort of classic male in the field, academic male in the field. Um, He's, like, you need to have, like, data and results that are useful, that can be sold, that can be made into technology, basically all that stuff. And so they're at a white house press release and like Ellie's all excited cause like she's the lead on the project and they're like, yeah, the lead on the project is going to talk to the media. And of course Drummond goes up there and takes all of the, um, sort of not fame, like fame away from her. Like she, she does kind of want recognition, right? Like who doesn't want recognition, but mm-hmm. like, he's definitely kind of the like fame whore of, of the group. Yeah. Um, So he takes all the recognition away from her. Um, So it's like her project is almost being stolen from her in a way. But there's this whole argument over like what the plans are, like what, because it turns out it's schematics for a machine. And they're like, well, is it a weapon? Is it a teleportation device? Is it transportation? And Ellie kind of thinks it's transportation. And then it comes out. It is transportation. hmm Why would yeah. they send us a weapon? Yeah. Highly advanced weapon for us to attack them or what? <laughs> right. Exactly. It. Them to attack us? It kind of reminds me when someone was like, what if it opens a portal and, like, they come out and they start colonizing? And it's like, well, first of all, that's hilarious hearing that from the American government. And second yeah. of all, someone's watched a little too much Doctor Who. Um <sighs> <laughs>
0: I did have a a quick note cuz they are, they're finding a candidate for right. the person to go with the transport. Yeah,
1: cuz say now the big question is who's going to go.
0: Yeah. And of course Ellie really wants to go, but there's yeah. like a colonel, I don't remember his name, but there's like a news broadcast set in Houston mm-hmm. and he's he's respectfully declining because like <laughs> it it would take you you'd be gone
1: for like 50 years and yeah. you come back and everyone you knew would would be dead basically, type Mm -hmm. of situation.
0: But the colonel, when they were interviewing him, uh, they had the uh, KPRC logo, uh, which is the NBC affiliate in Houston. And I grew up uh, watching KPRC.
1: Nice. So that was
0: really fun. (laughs) little Houston
1: tidbit. It's kind of a funny scene because they have his kids being like, Daddy, don't go. And he's like, (laughs) well, what do I say to that media? And it's like, I don't know. I think he just kind of wimped out and then used his kids as a scapegoat. Um, S- send the childless woman <laughs> right. right, so yeah, then they kind of get together this selection committee um to choose who's going, and drummond the the realization that Drummond stepped down from the from being one of the leaders on the project because he wants to go, obviously he is again mm-hmm. trying to take it all away from her and have it for himself. I mean, he tried to destroy the project altogether earlier, but then also take all the credit. And now he is uh, kind of the obvious choice, the front runner choice, even though this is Ellie's project, but she's also in the running for it. And who was on the selection committee but the spiritual advisor to the president, Matthew God's McConaughey? <laughs> <laughs> so now her and Palmer can't sleep together. But really, is that such yeah. a bad thing? no Mm, nobody moved (laughs) exactly everyone's like "Mm, okay but um, okay (laughs) he basically then just becomes worried about the whole like what's gonna happen because like you'll come back and all the people you'll know will be dead or won't remember you or whatever and he's like but i want to remember you again he's just like pining after ellie
0: the way they, like, set his character up, he's supposed to be, like, a playboy. Like, he, part of the reason he's not a priest is because he said he couldn't do celibacy. I hate that line. It's so gross. It's disgusting. It's so gross. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey does have some charms. I don't really like him that much. Nothing personal. but Everything personal. He, he, is, he is a little charming. I don't know. He's just kind of annoying to me. <laughs> he
1: just is too smarmy to me. It's like, it always yeah. comes off, like, really, like... Yeah, like, playboy smarmy. Yeah, okay, so he's, like, pining after her, and he's like, I'm concerned because I don't want you to go, and she's kind of like, I'm totally okay with this risk. This is something I've thought about a lot, and, like, I'm totally fine making this personal choice for myself. And so he's on the selection committee, and we're kind of getting down to the last bit of it, and he reveals to her that she's actually the front-running candidate at the moment, even ahead of Drummond. And at the final selection, he asks her if she believes in God, which we already know she doesn't, and he knows she doesn't. They've mm-hmm. talked about it before. And, yeah, and the whole
0: scene that comes back later, Yeah, where she, she, she just quotes Occ- Occam's razor at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what's shit. more likely? God doesn't exist. <laughs> right. Or there's this omniscient, like, bee that, and he's just like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah. It's, it's a great scene molder coated, as Shelby says. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, which kind of ties into where we left off season four of The X-Files. That's why I chose to watch this movie, because
0: I thought it I fit really nice. at Like, it's a nice follow-up for Gethsemane, because
1: mm-hmm.
0: Gethsemane is, like, the X-Files kind of trying to do this.
1: Right. Um, not as well, but <laughs> it's Chris <laughs> yeah. Carter trying to do comedy. Chris Carter doesn't have the range. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, it is kind of that questioning your purpose and God and what have you been doing? But but yeah, she answers no, basically, without saying directly no. She says, I believe I've already answered that question, and she says it directly to him. And she is like, gosh, hats off to Jodie Foster, because like Ellie is fucking pissed. Oh, she is so pissed. And her, the way she looks mm-hmm. at him, like, and she should be, because he's absolutely sabotaging her. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think someone at the time quoted 90% of the people population of the earth believes in some higher power or whatever. And so it is a relevant question and it is important. And I do agree that it is a relevant and important question, but I also hate that it is used to do this. Mm -hmm. And I will say,
0: Ellie, like, she has the kind of, like, agnostic atheist vibe yeah. that is like dismissive of people who are religious which right. i don't like yeah but Same. like i've but i think it understa- It makes perfect sense for her character yeah. i'm not like that's right. not like a flaw of the movie i'm just saying right. a flaw of the person <laughs> right
1: and I, I totally agree and i think it's a great character flaw for her to have because i also don't agree that like i don't think a dismissive attitude towards people who are religious is okay like i that's just being an asshole. But she is an Mm -hmm. asshole, and she is kind of dismissive to it, and it does rub people the wrong way, and eventually that costs her from being selected. They select Drummond, because Drummond says, yes, I do believe in God. Religion is important. Uh, I finally found where I actually wrote down how his name is spelled
0: G-R-U-M-L-I-N, so Drumlin. Drumlin. (laughs) Drumlin. (laughs) Whatever. Who cares? I don't care.
1: (laughs) Who cares? We're about to learn his fate anyway. (laughs) <laughs> so, anyway, Drumlin gets chosen instead of her because Palmer is a little bitch and, and sabotages Ellie in the selection committee because yes. of his Stem- personal feelings. Not a great committee selectee or selector. Mm-hmm. And then
0: even Drumlin is like, oh, I don't believe in God. I just knew that yeah. it mattered. Yeah, exactly. Like, he just lied.
1: Yeah. He just told everyone what they wanted to hear, right? While Ellie was actually honest.
0: Yeah, say say what you want about her, like kind of dismissive attitudes for people who believe in God, but like, at least she's honest about it. You know, she
1: yeah, she's a very honest. But, like, Drosslin gets
0: what is coming to him.
1: Yeah, he does absolutely. I don't feel bad at all. I wonder if I remember him blowing up because.
0: I did text you right before I was like, I hope this man explodes. Right. And I was like, did I, I remember
1: that subconsciously? I think you did maybe. Because, I must have. Because <laughs> you literally texted it right before it was a, <laughs> that like whole scene was going to play out. So anyway, they build the machine, spend shit tons of military money on it, right? Build, build the machine, build the transport. They're testing it out in Florida because that's where they do that, right? Mm-hmm. At Cape Canaveral. Uh, so the... The
0: space shuttle launches at Cape Cape uh, Cape Canaveral. Launches at Cape
1: Canaveral, but that's tough. It lands in Houston. Yeah, Houston is where like all of the sort of like control is. Like Cape Canaveral is kind of just like a site. You know what's really interesting to me is I thought
0: that was just like common knowledge, but I like talked to somebody and I mentioned something about like Houston being like Space City, and they're like, "What?" (laughs) I was like
1: yeah you know what i realized shelby (laughs) not everyone had a massive nasa phase like we did (laughs) i didn't i really didn't i had a huge nasa from there (laughs) right i had a huge nasa phase obviously sort of semi-tied to this movie um yeah and just kind of my love of astrophysics in general but i'm not a
0: nerd i know that sounds goofy to say i'm like kind of a nerd i guess i'm a nerd my family wasn't into sci-fi, so any sci-fi I watched was like later in life. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't. I I don't know. I always liked space, but
1: yeah. And I think as a sci-fi movie, this movie is very palatable because it takes a while before it goes full on ham sci-fi, and when it does, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it is so satisfying. Mm-hmm. I love it. But anyway, Ellie shows up because they're doing the test. She was the lead on the project. She has a right to be there drumlin she runs into drumlin obviously and he's like oh i didn't think you'd show up And she's like
0: (laughs) disgusting man bitch
1: i have a right to be here none of Mm -hmm. this would have happened if i hadn't discovered the signal
0: she even tried to save his life because she recognized a religious nut right drumlin was too slow to get him before he (laughs) blew everybody up and it's like
1: Yeah. 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 So basically the (laughs) aforementioned very religious terrorist guy who was very creepy from Utah. So that's how we know he was like very religious, right? Besides the fact (laughs) that he was yelling about Jesus in her face.
0: I'm I'm surprised they didn't give him a stupid Southern accent.
1: I know. It's (laughs) like from like
0: Mississippi.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She's in command. They're like running the test or whatever. He's drumlin's not in the machine or in the the pod yet he's just kind of like near it or whatever and she notices she recognizes him because you kind of again recognize when you come across someone that intense and that creepy and, and he, he
0: really stands out long he really like, does almost white hair
1: yeah but his hair is like up like he's like either shaved it and he's like wearing a hat or it's like up in the hat but he's disguised as a technician And she sees him, and then something starts malfunctioning, and she gets a secure line to Drumlin, and she's like, hey, this guy's not supposed to be there. And Drumlin does believe her that that guy's not supposed to be there, but he goes to tackle the guy, and the guy is a bomb, and blows up Drumlin and everyone else there, and it's kind of this horrible tragedy, Mm -hmm. and the project kind of dies, right, because of a terrorist attack which is where this is very mm. post OKC but pre 9/11. Yeah, whenever they said anything in like the 90s, they just
0: like can't help themselves but like do something to like evoke the Oklahoma City bombing. Like yeah. the X-Files does this. Yeah. Um the slight spoiler I guess for for all mankind, but for all mankind right. season 3 finale does this. And it's 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 really interesting cuz it's like I mean, yeah, like Which the '90s was such a hotbed of like domestic terrorist. Right? right, it is kind of unavoidable, unavoid- but it is sort of like
1: because before we had Oklahoma City, we had Waco, right? Um, and mm-hmm. Oklahoma City and Waco are tied together. They're both the Branch Davidians. Uh, Timothy McVeigh was who was the Oklahoma City bomber. He was a Branch Davidian. I I don't know if I've like never read Contact the book. Like I've never read the book. Surprisingly. I think maybe because Mm -hmm. I love the movie so much, it's a little hard to read the book. And, like, Carl Sagan and Andrian did do the story. So I figured it's probably pretty truthful to their vision and to the the heart of what they originally made, right? But, like, I wonder, because, like, this movie came out, like, the OKC bombing happened in 1995, and this movie came out in 1997. So I wonder, like, how much of that was affected by the fact that... Because the book was written before the OKC bombing, so... Mm -hmm. Like, how much of this in the movie is kind of, like... Or is that, like, post, like, OKC domestic terrorism kind of scare? Yeah. Um, But, like, pre-9-11, obviously, so... But anyway, everyone's upset. Obviously, Ellie's, like, extremely upset. It's a horribly traumatic event. But Mm -hmm. who contacts her? (laughs) Who hits her up? Um, But Haddon. (laughs) And... Now he's on the space station. Now he's on the space station with the Russians because... um, What he says, the low-oxygen, zero-gravity environment is the only thing keeping the cancer from eating his body, which eventually it will still take over his body, but he's just trying to buy any time that he has, right? So desperate that he's literally in space. Mm -hmm. And shows her a satellite image of Hokkaido, the northern island of Japan. Um, and you zoom in and what is there but a second transport machine because of course the United States government contracted the Japanese government to build a second one because why pay for one when you can have two at twice the price? (laughs) Yeah. Which that (laughs) extremely tracks, like... Just knowing everything about U.S. and Japan relations, like, yeah, absolutely, that's the most believable part of this entire movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And guess who owns it, though? Haddon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, because,
0: like, the U.S. government paid a contractor, mm-hmm. and co- Haddon was a contractor, and somehow it's Haddon it was said, the so contractor,
1: wild. yeah, for, Yeah. Through this loop of basically Haddon owning a bunch of other businesses and contractors, he owns the second transport and gets to choose who goes on it. And who does he choose? But good old Ellie. Ellie gets to go. It's vindication. All that had to happen was Drumlin had to die and it was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so now we get full sci-fi. Ellie gets to go. Yeah, Palmer tries to, like, come and be all sad boy and be like, I'm gonna miss you. And it's kind of like, uh, whatever, blocking that part out. She's like, S- sorry, I'm going to be aliens. Like,
0: <laughs> you are nothing to me. But she He does bring Kent, which is very sweet. He does
1: bring Kent w- to to Japan, which is extremely sweet. And Kent plays a very vital role. So mm-hmm. it's very NASA, very spaceship countdown-y. She, she gets into the pod. Oh. Mm-hmm. I remarked this: uh, the
0: guy who plays the oh yeah the flight director mm-hmm. uh, for both of them. He's Sheriff Andy Taylor from Home, yeah, the X Files episode. Yeah, that was nice.
1: That is nice. That's a nice little cameo, and he's in a good chunk of the movie too. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Ellie sees the pod. They added a chair and like medical and like monitoring equipment, and she's like, "Well, none of this was in the schematics. Why would you add a chair?" And they're like, "For comfort," and she's like. But a chair wasn't a part of the schematics. I love the amount of drama that there is over a chair. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> I love it it's a, It's awesome anyway. the chair's not supposed to be there, but she can't do anything about it. She straps in. they do the whole countdown sequence, but there's a lot of interference with the radio. Kent is in. Kent is with palmer in the um in the control room and Ellie just keeps kind of like yelling slash mouthing because her audio is cutting in the videos, cutting in and out, like good to go. Like she wants to go. There's all of this sort of like these like G forces. And there's like all of this sort of like, it's really kind of scary, but like, she's good to go and she wants to go mm-hmm. and she still does. And Kent, Kent hears her say good to go. And so they launch. And then mm-hmm. we get full on sci-fi. And very Dr. Who, very, worm-holy very wormhole. This is
0: very fun. and. I even wrote, I wrote Doctor Who theme and then Quantum Leap theme, so we're really hitting like the sci-fi trifecta here. Yeah, exactly. Even though I think Quantum Leap aired, it was like, ni- no, because it was 1989 to 94, I think. Mm-hmm. So this is like post-Quantum Leap.
1: Right. But yeah, very wormhole She's traveling through space, kind of getting like what seems to be jerked around and stuff and like sees like a galaxy sort of like on the edge and it's beautiful and then gets into another wormhole and there's there's another series of wormholes. Zooming around. Yeah, just zooming around. There's lots of like like sort of like interference from the chair. The chair's vibrating a lot. And she had this compass with her that it's like really dumb. Like Palmer left it after their one night stand or whatever and she took it yeah. but not his number or whatever.
0: And she gave him back the compass and then he gave it back yeah, to her. She gave too, him back the compass so. and
1: then he gave it back to her. But anyway, she has it and it flies out of her pocket or whatever and it's floating around. And so she gets out of the seat to go get it. And it turns out whenever you're not in the seat, that's not supposed to be there. It's actually a very calm and comfortable ride. <laughs> <laughs> it's not supposed to be so yeah. like wild <laughs> and turbulent. Turbulent. <laughs> it's like a lot of a lot of turbulence. And then this the chair you see it eventually goes like crumpled up to the ceiling. Like it's really not supposed to be there. Yeah. So she's just chilling all calm while the chair is like freaking out. And eventually, where does she end up? Vega. Yeah. She made it all the way to the aliens. Congrats, girl. They kind of do this like really cool, like it's kind of the debate of like, is she phys- are they physically moving her down to the planet from the pod or or Vega's a star, are they physically, like, moving her? Or is it more of, like, they're kind of, like, adjusting the surroundings of the pod because the pod kind of becomes translucent at points and you can kind of mm-hmm. see everything around you. And it's a really cool design. And the, the special effects are actually still pretty good and I think hold up decently well. Mm-hmm. So, But anyway, she's kind of, like, gently cradled, lowered down onto... This planet, quote unquote, it's uh, the beach in Pensacola, Florida. <laughs> I didn't even make the
0: connection that was supposed to be Pensacola. Yeah, it's
1: supposed to be Pensacola. Okay, that makes sense.
0: So, um, I think that water looked way too clear for.
1: Right, it looks Florida. like the nicest beach in Florida I could ever think of, but because because um Pensacola is
0: on on the Gulf side, right? Yeah, I want to say yeah, and it's the, on Gulf the Gulf is the Gulf, Gulf is not very pretty. It's no, okay. it's it's
1: it's hot. The water's hot. <laughs> it's not like the Florida <laughs> and, Keys. It looks more like the Florida Keys, which is like the Caribbean
0: yeah. and yeah. very beautiful.
1: Because
0: the water is like I wouldn't say brown. Like it's definitely brownish. It's it's churn. It churns a lot of the the silt,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it, it's like the river. Like it's the fucking Mississippi. It's like a right. The Mississippi brings all of that silt through the delta. Mm-hmm. So it's just like hot churny brownish water like i'm not giving it okay i recently went to galveston it's very nice they've done they've done a lot to improve it but like it can be like a very mid beach right and so i don't know if florida the gulf florida beaches are exactly the same i think they're better
1: i think they are better they're still
0: gulf beaches
1: i think they're they're <laughs> definitely better than texas gulf beaches and i think the like western part of florida does have some really beautiful parts to it but yeah this is definitely more like a beach from the the florida keys And, like, Mm -hmm. she kind of looks around and you can kind of see space and, like, there's, like, I think it's, like, a quadruple star system or something like that. And, like, there's, like, a galaxy and she, like, reaches out and, like, pokes it. Just very, that's just very human to me. Like, I would also just, (laughs) like, reach out and, like, poke. Poke. Boop. (laughs) Which makes me think, like, maybe she is still kind of in the pod because it seems like she's in a very sort of, like, enclosed space still. Mm -hmm. Um. And then she sees a figure in the distance walking towards her, and it's kind of humanoid-ish at the beginning, but then takes the form of her father. So the Vagans have at least some access to her memories to pull Pensacola and her father kind of out of them. And mm-hmm. the Vegan even says, like, we thought that this form would be the most comforting to you, which is, like, kind of funny because it's also the most upsetting <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's very jarring.
1: I love the scene because it's very much colored with her grief, and I think a really good way. It's really good. It feels almost yeah. like it's like it adds it has a weight to it. The fact that it's her father, like yes, it's the most as in yes, her father's the most comforting person in her life, but also like his death was so tragic and so traumatic for her. Like for him to be the figure that walks up to her. It's very mm-hmm. poignant but also painful at the same time, and like what is contact with other people but that, you know, like mm-hmm. both poignant and painful. I love the way Jodie Foster plays it because mm-hmm. she kind of like thinks
0: it's like it's not like she thinks it's her father. She she's very clearly like, Skeptical. oh, you chose this. Yeah, you can read my mind. But but the same way she the way she talks about it and yeah. the way she feels about the the person is like her father. Yeah. Like, she she conceptually knows it's not her father, but at the same time all those
1: emotions yeah, they, they can't up. help
0: but burst through.
1: And there's also, I think, a part of her that at, at the beginning she does kind of like very quietly say, like, Dad, like there is a part of her that wants it to be her father, but again, mm-hmm. there's the other part of her that logically knows it's not. Like you can have those feelings of that want for your loved one to still be alive, but it's combined with the logic that obviously they can't come back it's a great scene he kind of just talks about she's kind of like we're not the only ones like are we like not the only ones that they've sent the messages out to and he's like no like this this technology came to us from somewhere else and it came to them from somewhere else and we're just passing it down along the line and Mm -hmm. y'all are the next ones along the line and I also think that that is beautiful because it's like it adds a bit of like because it's like, you know, we talk about faith a lot, I think, and spirituality with this movie. But for me, this movie very much speaks on faith and like faith doesn't have to be a religious thing, but like the sci- like Ellie had enough faith in it on earth to build the transport, you know, like, and there's other mm-hmm. societies that received these, the, these same instructions that had enough faith to investigate them and then to kind of just like go out on it. I really love that. They just kind of have this really great conversation about, yeah, just that. And she can't stay for very long, obviously, and can't bring the vegan with her or anything like that. It's very much just like, we're going to pull you away for a few minutes and show you this. And then you'll go back and you'll do with that what you will. The vegan picks up the sand in his hand and it forms a constellation. And I think that's just like a really cute little neat thing. But then, you know, Ellie has this really heartbreaking moment of like, this isn't real. And it's like, <sighs> like whenever she re- like fully accepts, you know, that this isn't her dad, like this isn't real. And it's like, it is like, it's really happening. But yeah, like your dad coming back is, is not real. And it's, I, it's just a very heartbreaking moment. Um, of this, mm-hmm. like, thing that she's wanted for so long to have contact with extraterrestrial life. She's being proven right in what she's known in her heart and in her work all along. And it's just mixed with this deep, profound sadness. It's like a grief dream, almost. Like, when you have grief dreams that, like, the person is alive again or something. And sometimes in the dream or, like right, you know, before or after you wake up, you realize that wasn't real. Um, Mm -hmm. no matter how much you wanted it to be, and it hurts. And I just really love this scene. It's just the this is the climax of the movie. Like and I think that the climax of this movie being this very like tender scene is is great.
0: And sort of reminding Ellie of why she's been reaching out to begin with, Mm -hmm. that she wants contact, she wants that comfort. But then the aliens sort of say, like, I don't think they mean to say this, but kind of pointing out to her, like, you had contact, like you had that emotional connection Mm -hmm. and that can exist on Earth. You don't need aliens to
1: connect, like you can connect with your fellow people. He says, in all our searching, all we've found is each other. Mm -hmm. And that's just that's that combined with the it's such a waste of space or kind of the two sort of thematic statements of this movie i think i think it's just really great and her dad kind of also told her multiple times as a kid like small moves ellie like small moves and the alien repeats that to her like small moves Mm -hmm. and that's just very i'm one of those people that gets really gooey and emotional at this type of shit like i love this this is like totally up my vein um I really love being reminded of how insignificant I am as a person (laughs) like within the vastness of the universe. Some people find that extremely terrifying. I find it comforting. We just Mm -hmm. make small moves towards bigger things all the time. Mm. It's all science really is, is small moves. And it's great. And unfortunately, she has to come back to
0: Earth and... Humans do human things,
1: (laughs) yeah. So, unfortunately, (laughs) the evidence
0: doesn't bear out the fact that she was gone for 18 hours. Well, some of the evidence doesn't Mm -hmm. bear out that she was gone for 18 hours. So,
1: she comes back, and everyone's like, Are you okay? And she's like, How, like, what day is it? What time is it? Where am I? And they're like, It's literally nothing happened. Like, they have all of this video evidence, and you just see the pod drop straight through the machine, Mm -hmm. and so. On Earth, literally no time has passed, even though she spent hours. Um, we later learn eighteen hours in the pod, traveling around in all these wormholes. And we know that like time and space are relative, right? Like wormholes theoretically could exist. They kind of quarantine her off, right? Treat her like she's crazy. Mm-hmm. Berate her. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mulder coded, but with like the added level of misogyny. Um, just like mm-hmm. kind of berate her endlessly. She kind of ends up going against a committee in Congress. J- James Woods is now—he's he's, he's not of Congress. even in
0: character. He's just doing—he's right. just doing his bit. He's in charge of the commission. Yeah, and he's just like baking like live on TV. He's, like he's like Har- Hayden hate what is what Harden? Hayden? Hay- Hadden? The, yeah, Hadden. Hadden. Um, <laughs> Hadden manipulated this whole thing. He made you see what you thought you saw, he is but it wasn't real. Gaslighting
1: this girl, boss, <laughs> as far as he can gatekeep her. <laughs> yeah, I love this scene
0: because I love circling back to weaponizing what Ellie said mm-hmm. to Matthew McConaughey's character about like
1: Occam's God existing, and God, yeah, and
0: saying like. Yeah, like, Occam's razor, did you experience this? And we have very little evidence to support this. It's, First of all, he's excluding evidence, right. so. <laughs> we
1: <he's>... get there. <laughs> it's also turning her, it's turning her own arrogance against her, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not, like, again, like, people kind of, like, churches kind of really get on this movie because they're like, oh, she's, like, accepting God. She's accepting faith. It's It's not that she's accepting God. I think Ellie still doesn't believe in God. I think it's, it's she's. She's come around to how people can feel that way. It's turning her own mm-hmm. arrogance on her because he weaponizes that her previous arguments that she's like stood by her entire life against her. And Jodie mm-hmm. Foster acts the hell out of the scene. She's so vulnerable in the scene. It's great. I love the times that we're reminded that she's very small. She's not a big person yeah scully coated um (laughs) but like this is one of those scenes where she feels very small but how can she not whenever she's kind of faced against this like huge panel i mean and ultimately Mm -hmm. it's basically kind of like he's just trying to gotcha her right he does kind of like the ultimate gotcha of like she can't she has there's no physical evidence to corroborate her claims of what happened she only has her own feelings and her own memories of what happened he gets her to admit that it very well could have not happened and she could have just hallucinated it all but does she still Mm -hmm. believe that it happens that it did happen yes Mm -hmm. and that's just that's faith (laughs) i don't know i love it i would i i kind of subscribe to this
0: as well but like god isn't an entity, right. it's like an idea, and it's a, uh, it's a way of understanding. It's a guiding force, right. and it's personal, right? Like whether God exists for me or whether it exists for somebody else, like those,
1: those answers right. are different, exactly. and like that's perfectly fine. Einstein talked about sort of God too, and sort of like not, and like Carl Sagan did too. I was reading some of like Carl Sagan's with Wikipedia, and there's some quotes on that he didn't believe in God, but like. He did say something along the lines of like, and this is kind of like how Einstein felt too, like God isn't necessarily some sort of like humanoid man with a beard in the sky sort of like person. But if you think about the laws of the universe and physics, it's the driving force of the the universe. When you think of like the laws of physics as God, then how can you deny that there is a God if like that's how you Mm -hmm. view God? And I think that that is totally valid. You know, it, it to some people, it is this humanoid structure, but, but to other people, it's literally it's science, it's physics, it's the guiding principles <laughs> mm-hmm. of the universe. Like, how could you, if, if that was God to someone, how could you say no, that God doesn't exist? You know, mm-hmm. my mom's faith brought extreme comfort to her in a very dark time. And mm-hmm. that's like, I, like, you can't. Put, you can't quantify how important that mm-hmm. is, right? And so I, I I, love this scene where she's kind of facing this congressional committee and, like, she has no quantifiable evidence. As a scientist, she just has her feelings. And it brings mm-hmm. her—this ex- whole experience makes her a better person because it brings her to understand people that she kind of willfully didn't understand before. I think she always had the mm-hmm. capacity— to understand religious people, but she was just kind of very stubborn, right? Which I yeah. love a stubborn woman. <laughs> it's such a
0: scientist thing to get yeah. lost, not seeing the forest through the
1: trees. Mm-hmm. And whenever I expressed wanting to be a scientist, like as a young girl, um, I'm, you know, from a very conservative part of the country um, and have conservative family members and did get asked, well, and I mean, I did believe in God at the time I, I went to church, but like did get asked, like, well, how do you be a scientist if you believe in God? Like scientists don't believe in God. Like it's kind of almost like an <laughs> expectation that like, yeah, you were going to be a heretic or something, which like I'm absolutely a heretic, but that's for other reasons. <laughs> and I mean, even then I was like, well, why does science have to like exist outside of God? Can't it just be a tool to understand God? That seemed Mm -hmm. to flip people on their heads, but (laughs) yeah, there can be something very spiritual about science. And if you view science that way, kind of like with your spirituality, I think that that's great. There's some very lovely and wonderful people and great scientists that I know that are also believe in God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Ellie finally wins over everybody. She does. She gets cheers after she leaves, Mm -hmm. which I love. That's fun. She
1: leaves the she leaves Congress basically to a huge crowd of support, which just like is kind of wild to me in this day and age. Like, yeah, just unimaginable. Um, after stating that you know she doesn't have any proof, but she knows that what yeah, happened. Like. like-
0: James James Woods was up there like baking and like yeah. you're telling me there weren't like any QAnon types.
1: <laughs> I, I literally wrote a pre QAnon world in my notes because <laughs> the it way really like is. we just couldn't we couldn't fathom couldn't fathom the it today yeah yeah, yeah. totally. It turns out that James Woods character is on call with um, Angela Bassett, who was also in this movie the entire time. She's one of the is she the press secretary. Uh, something like that. She's either press secretary or or someone else in the Clinton cabinet. Um, okay. High up, high up in the in the Clinton like White Chief of staff, or yeah, something Chief, like that. Chief of staff or She's, press secretary. Yeah, very involved with the whole thing. She's talking to James Woods about it, and he's just like, mm, "Yeah, whatever." And she was like, "You know, I read the full the full report on everything, and what I found most interesting was." I like how she was like, did you read it? And he's like, I skimmed it. Yeah, he's like, like, did you read the full report? And he's like, I glanced over it. This is your job.
0: Like, you were appointed to, like, be the commission head and you can't even read the report. I mean, it tracks. The man is
1: illiterate. Right. But she's like, well, I read all of it. And what I found was interesting was that even though, like, there was all the video evidence of the pod just dropping straight through, that there was no explanation for the 18 hours of recorded static that her thing recorded. And mm-hmm. it's such, an I wish Ellie knew this, but also, like, kind of probably good she doesn't because she would go on, like, just, she would raise hell. But, like, yes. that little bit of vindication that we get for her, like, there is physical evidence. There's on the 18 hours of recorded static. So how do you, like that little that there is evidence that there is quantifiable evidence to at the same time is just like really nice um it it totally i feel like that could undermine the previous scene but it doesn't it only kind of justifies her and that's really nice mm. um and then yeah we kind of tie up the movie she's back at the vla in new mexico giving a tour to elementary school students it was just really lovely
0: one of them asked. um or did she prompt them to ask if there was life outside? I think she prompted them, I think she them, prompted right? them, yeah. Okay, first of all, that's very really funny to me because uh, growing up in Houston, I had, I think I had someone from NASA come give a talk in my elementary school at one point. Yeah. And we're like asking questions. And at one point they were like, no one's asked the big question. And we kind of all were like baffled. And they were like... Do aliens exist? <laughs> so I was like literally that kid at one that's, point.
1: <laughs> that's really funny because like this is in New Mexico, right? So like you have Roswell. So it's like there's all of the alien stuff in New Mexico anyway. So I guess less so
0: now. But like as a kid, I just would feel embarrassed to ask if like there were aliens. Like it feels like it's a goofy question because yeah. like you just think little green men, like right. little like alien creatures in the common you know, Mm -hmm. pop culture landscape. And you don't want to be like, do, do they exist?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention all while her like testimony is going on before Congress hadn't dies in space. And you, there's this great scene of the testimony is playing and the Russians that are on, he's like on a Russian like space station or, or shuttle or something. And they're like zipping up his body bag. Mm -hmm. as this whole thing is going on and I really love that shot like A it's a good shot but also B it kind of hammers home the fact that like it was all for what you know like Mm hadn't did all of that for what just to still die at the end Mm -hmm. yeah also like
0: the only other person that could have like verified or Mm -hmm. contradicted James Woods is
1: dead now exactly so but Ellie finally knows some sort of peace
0: yeah, and they, they, when, they ask, uh, when they ask her if she believes in aliens, she says, I don't know, which I found interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that's very skull, that's scully-coated.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, totally.
0: <laughs> Having this like profound experience and then being like, maybe that didn't actually happen.
1: <laughs> right, right. Anyway, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you wanted to do some form of our normal segments, but we could definitely do a 90s moment. And maybe there's so many nineties but it's such a nineties movie it's so great <laughs>
0: it's incredible
1: like like where to where to start <laughs> the Clinton administration <laughs> personally for me I think the one that sticks out the most is the Jay Leno cameo it just like <laughs> Jay Leno has kind of just like faded into the the zeitgeist and like good I find him annoying so <laughs> yeah
0: I think mine is the fact that, like, they didn't have, like, conspiracies in the same way we do now. Right. Like, it would, you would have to dedicate, like, half the movie to, like, people, like, baking and saying that, like, Drumlin didn't actually die. <laughs> or, like, right. the guy was, like, a false flag or something, and it would just right. be exhausting. It would, it would suck as the movie. Just like, the amount just...
1: of QAnon people that would be outside that hearing at the end. Yeah, yeah. It, would,
0: it would just suck shit. It really would.
1: <laughs> It really can only be set in the nineties.
0: We can't make movies like this anymore.
1: <laughs> the perfect amount of like technology and like cultural acceptance hits it at ninety-seven.
0: You know, it's so interesting because I do in my mind I do think the nineties was like a real heyday for conspiracies. Like, mm-hmm. not to say I think today it's dwarfs it, but right. I think in the nineties it was like pretty popular. Like, alien stuff was really popular yeah Uh, right-wing conservative like fringe ideology was like hugely popular rush
1: limbaugh was alive in the 90s so (laughs) to me that
0: that kind of i feel like that sticks out but there's just like a lot of like i don't like i feel like even this movie like i it would be totally different they made it today you know like they're just so like I don't like it, just would have been like over the top in some ways, right? And the, to like an annoying degree. It's a very, and there's just connectedness that, like, mm-hmm. I feel like just would be missed if
1: it was made today, right? It's a very delicate balance of a movie. And to me, like, that sort of delicate balance is the way in which it's most like Carl Sagan. Like, you can really tell, like, his fingerprint is on this story in this movie because obviously he wrote the book and wrote you know the story also heavily involved in the production of the movie he died um in december of 1996 so he died before the movie came out which is at the end it's dedicated to him which is very sweet Mm -hmm. you don't really have those types of people with the platforms that he had or the influence that he had that had that type of rationality and like calmness to them to be able to do something like this project mm-hmm. and to be able to convey a story like this as well and as nuanced as it was conveyed it's really a shame
0: <laughs> it's really yeah, sad like now we have like neil degrasse tyson and he sucks shit
1: right and neil degrasse tyson was a student of carl sagan carl sagan convinced neil degrasse tyson to go to cornell but yet neil degrasse tyson is an asshole and is mm-hmm. a jerk in the way that i don't think carl would agree with like and has some, i don't know um, carl sagan i don't want to like idolize him too much right but like it just seems very much there's against, a humanity that like it seems I mean, against his ethos the way that neil degrasse tyson just talks to people
0: <laughs> yeah he has i know neil has some me too-ish
1: yeah uh, there's, accusations there's that and too.
0: also like every t- there's that joke about every time we, he just tweets like the the silliest things like just like right actually science proves it it's like shut up like that's not the point it's like, something so if detached if you think the point, from the way it's... normal
1: people live and think and the important <laughs> things in the world to them that it's just kind of hilarious yeah yeah we don't really have like a ton of like famous like pop scientists anymore right. i don't think i mean carl sagan was one of our last kind of great science educators in that way and mm-hmm. like Neil deGrasse Tyson tried to fill those shoes, but is not the right personality to fill those shoes. <laughs> obviously, no. mm-hmm.
0: our 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 only pop scientist is uh, Alan Alda. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> he's not even
1: a scientist, but he counts. But like, he's up, up Alan Alda. He,
0: he has a podcast I haven't listened to, but it, it's called Clear and Vivid, mm-hmm. and because he he did Scientific American Frontiers mm-hmm. for the longest time, mm-hmm. so he very much was very into like how do I talk about science i want to talk about new science science. yeah he's huge about science communication he has like he does like workshops he has like a whole thing about it like he goes to i think less so now because he he is he got diagnosed with parkinson's Mm -hmm. so he kind of like scaled back but he used to like go to universities and and have programs he might still have that but yeah like and he's not even a scientist he's just an actor right
1: (laughs) but he has the he has the personality and the kind of demeanor for it that I think is going to make it really palatable and acceptable to to people because in order to effectively communicate science like science communication is arguably more important than the actual scientific work that it's trying to communicate because if Mm -hmm. you don't make it accessible to people it's not going to do anything like you're not going to have any change and what's most important I think in communication is to not have people feel judged And, like, that's what, like, I think Alan Alda is good at. That's what Carl Sagan was good at. That is not what Neil deGrasse Tyson is good at. He makes you feel judged. And that makes people retract. And that makes them not, like, open up to the idea that they could be wrong about something. Because it's Mm -hmm. all about accepting that you could be wrong, right? You know, evidence and, and information out there that could challenge your very core beliefs. And that's okay. But... It has to be an environment where you feel comfortable.
0: I think what our actual answer is that maybe these people haven't changed. Maybe the world has changed around them so dramatically that it just has created such a hostile environment to education, Mm -hmm. which it has. Like, that is undeniable. (laughs) More ways than one. you, You have parents, like, complaining because, like, their child is asked to read, like, a book by a black person. Literally. And, like... There, there's nowhere to go with that like yeah we we, we are anti-intellectual in the worst way imaginable and it, like maybe there's just no space for that anymore right. you know what i mean yeah
1: i mean i think that yeah that is yeah definitely a part of it it's really sad yeah contact great movie it's fun it's a good movie and
0: it's the whole time i was just like we don't make movies like this anymore <laughs> We kind of don't, though. It's got, like, this
1: really, really don't. fun, like, it's like sci-fi like block a mid-budget buster. movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, the budget like, was $90 million, which okay, is, is, like... Okay, a lot? I feel like maybe not anymore. I feel okay. like maybe... Yeah. It, so the budget was $90 million and it made $171.1 million at the box office. So it almost, like, doubled at the box office, mm-hmm. which, you know, it was only released in theaters whenever it was released. <laughs> not like they also had streaming revenue
0: i feel like some of these actors they got really young too like i don't think yeah. they purposely did like matthew McConaughey in his heyday or right anything. i, I think, think they just got him early
1: let me see i'm gonna see if there's any well he was obviously in dazed and confused before this right yeah um
0: uh austin cult classics don't count don't matter don't at me <laughs> i'm just kidding
1: okay so he was in dazed and confused and then he was in angels in the Outfield, which. Okay. I forgot he was That's in that a... movie. Yeah, I
0: I don't know if I've seen
1: that movie before. And then he was in like a couple of other things that I don't recognize. And then Contact. Okay. So like still decently early on. Considering yeah. like Dazed and Confused was one of his first big, big roles, and like that was ninety four or ninety three. And this mm-hmm. is shot in ninety six. So There's only like three years
0: so that was our uh, our little season for a bonus episode it, it's a bit longer than our usual ones but yeah
1: but it was fun I had no I had no structure and it was my first time hosting so and it was a movie I really like so of course I'm gonna rant a lot but <laughs> um yeah thanks if you'd like to follow us we are Condensed Truth
0: on Twitter you would you like to email us we are Condensed Truth at gmail.com. you can send us questions for next bonus episodes when we finish season five but we we aren't watching as many episodes of season five so it won't take us long (laughs) and then next time you hear us we will be talking season five episode one and two redux part one and two (laughs) (laughs) so we are we're having a it's been a hot minute since we had a Mm two-parter our last two-parter was Tunguska Terma yeah So, it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, We're turning the dial up on angst. It's that that drill tweet, uh, turning up the dial on angst to keep looking at the crowd for approval. (laughs) (laughs) Except instead of angst, the tweet says racism. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway, that's it.